whether it's something you felt a long time ago or something that you still feel every day. I can remember that when I was at camp once in my early teens, I think I was about 13, 14, about 10 years ago, um, I was a bit poorly on one of the evenings, so I went back early to my tent and tried to go to bed. But despite my best efforts, I couldn't get to sleep. And I could hear everyone coming back a bit later on, but I didn't want to get involved talking to people. I was trying to fall asleep, so I just pretended to be asleep. And then I heard my best friend at the time talking about me, and it wasn't nice. Um, it was a lot of things about how difficult it was being my friend and how hard she was finding it. And I just remember in that moment feeling so unwanted. That was about 10 years ago. And today I'm surrounded by people that do want me, hooray. But I still remember it so vividly because that feeling of rejection, it sticks with us. It digs in, it leaves a scar. A few weeks ago at Christchurch, Nathan was leading and he was talking about our foster care system, um, some of you might remember it, and the vast number of children that are in foster care. There are 90,000 young people in foster care. Children who, potentially through no fault of their own, feel unwanted. These stories move us, and they should. We should care about things like this, because we're moved by stories of abandonment. We're moved by the stories we hear in the news where people have been left. But this feeling of rejection isn't new, unfortunately. As we've been looking in Lamentations, we're looking at God's people going through these seasons of rejection. And so let's get into it. Let's look at Lamentations. Um, the people at this time were living in humiliation and despair because the place that God had promised them in Jerusalem had been destroyed, and most notably of that, the temple. The very place that was promised to them when they were wandering in the wilderness back in Exodus, when they were lost and homeless, God promised them a permanent place that his presence would dwell, and now it is gone. It's been destroyed. You might be thinking that this is the same as if our church was destroyed, but it's slightly different. Because for the people in Jerusalem, the temple was where God was, and it was where they could go to draw near to him. Whereas now the church is where we gather together to have community to worship God, but we don't believe that this is the single place that God dwells. So their temple is gone, their town is gone, they're dealing with rejection, but also shame, and they're undoubtedly grappling with that unwanted feeling and that unwanted feeling from God. This passage is filled with imagery from a struggling and broken people. If you look with me into the passage, if you've got your Bibles on you, verse one talks about what was once gold now being dull and gems being scattered. Verse three talks about the heartless people and there are starving children in verse four. Verse eight, skin shriveled onto the bone. And on and on it goes. It's really not a very enticing description. Their city is gone. And with it, they believe their God is also gone. Not only is he gone, but this destruction of the city symbolizes to them a broken promise. 
If we think back to Exodus again and God promising them this city and God delivering them this city, and now it's gone. I don't know about you, but when I believe that I've heard something from God, whether it's a word or a picture for me or for someone else or whatever it is, if I think I've heard something from God and then it doesn't happen, I feel confused, maybe a bit embarrassed if you've shared it with other people. And that's just me having an idea and thinking that it might be from God. But the people here had heard the voice of God speak to them and he told them that he had something better for them than the slavery they were living in in Egypt. And then he led them there. He delivered his promise. And they were living in the life that God had given him, given them. And what had spoken had come to pass. And then it hadn't because it was destroyed. So it tracks that they would also be feeling that confusion, maybe embarrassment, that they'd heard from God and it hadn't happened. But even more so, even more so, out of it, this cry of desperation comes, and that is what we have in Lamentations. And it is a change in tone in Lamentations 4 than the other chapters, because this cry, it isn't loud and angry, it's a whimper. It's a cry like when a baby has cried itself to sleep, after running out of tears with nothing left to give. And sometimes it's only in that emptiness and that whimpering that God can meet us. Only when we have cried ourselves out that God can speak to us and we're in the place to hear it. This is a whimper and it is a change of pace. The people are angry, but it seems like they are coming to the conclusion that we all must come to at some point. Because before we accuse God of leaving us unwanted, we have to remember who told who they didn't want the other first. Who rejected who first. If we want to get literal, we can look at human history with God. Go back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, they first said no to God. And there thus begins the age-old story of people rejecting God. All through the Bible, there are stories of people that ignore God, don't do what he says, people leaving their creator unwanted. In this passage, we can see that the cry is quieting. We can hear through the people's sobs. We can see an acknowledgement from Jeremiah, the author, of his part's play in this story. Verse 12 and 13 display this well. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to read along. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the peoples of the world, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem. But it happened because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who shed within her the blood of the righteous. There is an acceptance that sin leads to destruction, and that they have some part to play in that. We reject God first, every time. So if you're here tonight and you think God has abandoned you and you're looking and you don't know where he is, I challenge you to think about the part that you have to play in that. And I know that it's really hard and it's really uncomfortable, but it's really important that we understand this. It's so important for us to remember who is God and who is not. Because the only way for us to really understand what Jesus did for us on the cross 
is to fully understand the depths of our sin and our brokenness, experience the heartbreak of guilt, of letting God down. Because then we can go on to rejoice in all that Jesus did by taking that on the cross. But sometimes I think we rush to the end. We're Christians and we love a party, right? Um, But this just isn't good enough. We can't fall into the trap of skipping Good Friday to get to Easter Sunday. Where there is sin, there is a sinner, and there is a consequence. I work in a school and I spend a lot of my day reminding children that there are consequences to bad choices. A lot of my day. Um, But so often we don't want to think about the consequences for us, for the things that we've done wrong. But we know that there is one. And we know that Jesus paid it. We know that. But I would say I normally spend maybe two hours on Good Friday truly lamenting for that. And then the rest of the year, I'm living in thanksgiving rather than repentance. But repentance was never meant to be a one-time thing. We are meant to be repenting as a continuous part of our worship to a God who is significantly higher than us. If I don't fully grasp the weight of my sin, how can I rejoice in the redemption from that? How can I praise God for all that he's done for me if I don't know or understand all that he has done for me? Lamentations is a place where the consequence of sin is talked about. The pain of the punishment is feared here. Our sin is a problem with God. We can't avoid that. He takes issue with the sin in the world because this is his world. And this isn't a new thing. God has never liked sin. It's not new that he's having an issue with it. He doesn't like sin, but the sin has to be dealt with. The people here are feeling unwanted by their God. But if we look at the order of events, I think they rejected God first. But it's not all bad. As I mentioned, this is a change of tone from our previous chapters. Lamentations 4, at the end, it starts to come back round. Because what is said to God's people right at the end is a promise. Verse 22 reads, Your punishment will end, daughter Zion. He will not prolong your exile. But he will punish your sin, daughter Edom, and expose your wickedness. God will not leave them there, and God does not leave us where we are. But the thing is, we can skip to the end. We can see the promise come to fruition because we know about Jesus now. We can see how the punishment came to an end because Jesus took it. The punishment didn't go away, but the punished person changed from us to him. And that is the truest form of love that the world has ever seen. You might be a better person than me, but if I was God uh, and I'd given my people everything that they wanted and then they had sinned and been full of wickedness and turned around and rejected me and told me they didn't want me and then had complained at me that I'd rejected them I think I would lose my chill a bit I think I'd be quite angry about that I don't think I'd actually want to help out Um, I don't think I'd like take a part of myself to give it to them so that that could take all of the weight of their sin I don't think I'd want to do that Um, so it's probably a good thing I'm not God um, for all of our sakes Um, 
because God didn't do that. He gave us part of himself in Jesus to take the weight of our sin. And so while we know that we are sinners, we know that we have been saved from the shame of that sin. And so in our repentance, we can lament for our wrongdoing while praising the one who saved us from that. We can rejoice all the more through going through lament and sorrow. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And so as I was preparing for tonight, I was praying into what God wanted to say. And I felt him say that there are people here, or maybe even just one person, and you feel like you used to be someone's favourite, whether you were the favourite child or you were a favourite friend, someone's best friend, or you were the favourite at school, in the class, the teacher's favourite, or something. You were someone's favourite, and you've lost that. They've turned around and they've said, no, you're not number one in my life anymore. No. And because of that, you feel rejected by them, but also rejected by God. You feel like God doesn't include you in things that that when God sent Jesus, that wasn't for you. And so if you think that that is you, I would love to pray for you. Um, We're going to pray in just a minute, but if you feel able to, during our response time, please come and pray with our prayer ministry team, who will be down here. Um, Yeah, and just pray over that. Because rejection is lonely, and we want to be a church that includes everyone. There are times when all of us feel rejection, We feel unwanted, sometimes from God, but we have to remember that we walked away first. And out of that pain, we can turn back, remembering that God is still for us. As the passage reminds us in verse 22, he will punish the sin, but he will not prolong the suffering of the sinner. He will punish the sin, but he will not prolong the suffering of the sinner and so I'm going to pray for us now um, before we worship again and let that sit over us Um, so if you'd like to prepare yourself for prayer Lord we are sorry for when we get it wrong we are sorry for turning away from you we are sorry that we walk out and slam the door and then complain at you for leaving us. Thank you that you forgive us. Thank you that we can come to you and repent and you hear us. Thank you that you sent Jesus into your world. Thank you that he took all of our brokenness, all of our sin on his shoulders. And because of that, we can be right with you. Please help us. Help us to to come to you when we're struggling. Help us to be better. Help us to love one another how you want us to love one another. Help us to be kind. And I pray for those that feel rejected, for those that feel left behind, for those that feel like they're not the favourite anymore. I pray that you would walk with them. I pray that your spirit would fall in this room, that they would feel close to you. I pray that you would fill them with boldness to seek prayer from others. 
And Lord, I pray for all of us as we, as we walk towards you, that you would help us on that path. Lord, please move in all of our hearts tonight. Please speak to us how we can understand you. And help us to be good to one another, to pray for one another, to speak encouragement over one another. Amen. Could the band please come up? We're going to worship now in response. But if you would like prayer, please come down to the front and someone would love to pray for you. Thank you.